from the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, verses 19 through 31. Hear the word of God. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Well, where I grew up, bless your heart, was a blessing of the soul, on par with being knighted with the queen. It did not take me long to discover that bless your heart here in the South has an entirely different meaning. I remember being interviewed, wined and dined for an associate pastor position down in North Carolina, first time in the South, there on the Catawba River having barbecue, and I drank, uh, well, it was a glass of glucose, um, they call it sweet tea down here, practically spit it across the table for an interview. Uh, can we have some unsweet tea here? He's not from around here, bless his heart. I remember uh, as an associate pastor now, doing my first memorial service, act of, Asked to help out in it, I was to lead the 23rd Psalm, which I led in the New Revised Standard instead of the God-intended uh, King James Version. Oh, honey, bless his heart. They didn't teach him everything up in Princeton, did they? Hmm. I remember uh, uh, when a few young moms got me to come into the church library and they, they asked me if it would be possible to uh, take the children's books out of the Dewey Decimal System and place them on the lower shelves. That way the children could read books while the mothers were having a meeting. I thought, well, that makes all the sense in the world. Until I was summoned into the library by Nettie Salthouse, who was a church librarian since 1861. 
honey, bless your heart. You just need to learn a few things before you go change everything. Well, I now know what you all know, that back in the early part of the 18th century, the words, you idiot, were taken by mule from New Jersey and came across into the Carolina colony. And there before going into Charleston later the next day, you idiot was taken off and it was rolled in butter and flour and sugar and deep fat fried and then put powdered sugar on it, served on a beautiful doily and served with a smile that says, bless your heart. That's the origin. Mary Magdalene ran and told the disciples I have seen the Lord. She's singing the hallelujah chorus, dressed in trumpet and lilies. She explodes into the room, a room draped in black crepe with sadness. But she has a smile. I have seen the Lord. Poor woman. Poor woman. Sometimes death can make you delusional. Bless her heart. I remember not long after my dad's funeral, I was back home down in the garage and my phone rang. It was my mother. She said, Donovan, something unusual. Your dad is sitting in his chair in the TV room. Do you think I should call the funeral home? And I replied, yes, mom, I do believe they overcharged us for services not rendered. I said, no, Mom. No, I, th I think you're dreaming. I think you're dreaming. It's not unusual. And she said, I guess so, because when I draw near to him, he disappears. Bless her heart. Oh, dear Mary, bless your heart. As far as I can tell, that's the problem with the resurrection. It draws a line and it creates two sides. Bless their hearts. They can't see the sun is shining. Bless their hearts. Why are they dancing in the rain? Why do they insist on wearing funeral black to a party? Who wears smiles and flowers to a funeral? Bless your hearts. Bless your hearts, two sides. How about you? How about you? Where do you land? Do you believe, Mary? Is your life trumpet and choir? Or is the hurt more believable? You just can't get to the resurrection, not through the pain. Not through the pain. Not through the pain that was inflicted on your soul. The resurrection, Easter says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Do you rejoice in that? Or is the past very much present? Always carrying around some fear, some bitterness some anger in your heart. Bless your heart. 
The resurrection draws a line between good news and old news. And thanks be to God, Jesus crosses the line. As we see in John's Gospel, it is not the power of positive thinking that saves the day. The resurrection doesn't hinge on Mary's ability to construct a well-thought-out apologetic on why she believes the resurrection and why you should too. No, what saves the day and all our days is the power of God. The power of God is able to break through, to break through false security that continues to have everyone afraid. Jesus walks through locked doors. Oh, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I lock myself in a tomb, even there you will raise me up. Peace be with you. It is the resurrected Lord. It is light, it is bright, it is amazing, and they don't see it. John says, Jesus can show up and we wouldn't know it. You can have Jesus right in front of you and it doesn't make a difference. The only way you cross the line from disbelief to belief is by Jesus showing his wounds. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, the disciples tried to persuade Thomas, who apparently was at a Vandy baseball game or something, but he missed the meeting. And no amount of peer pressure, no well-thought-out apologetic of faith could push him over the line. Now, Thomas, come on. Why would we be smiling if we hadn't seen the Lord? Come on, you got to believe. Thomas, come on. Bless your heart. And Thomas said, unless I put my finger, my hand, in his wounds, I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to believe. There's a line. How do you get over the line? Last week, I had a conversation in Terry's office, my assistant's office, with someone who was working at the church, at something at the church. And uh, there in the conversation, we got on the topic of faith. Maybe it's because I'm in the room. Wherever I go, suddenly we're talking about faith in the church, no matter where I go. It's all I do. Is that what you do when I'm not there? Just curious. Anyway, we got on the topic of faith in the church, and the person who I was talking to, who was working on something or other at the church, got on the topic of hell. You don't hear that much, that 
much about hell in the Presbyterian church unless I'm preaching, but um, he was talking about hell and what it would be like to be in hell. And he began to think about his own life in hell. He's like, I know I believe, I know I believe, but I I know I believe. I mean, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I've said those words. I believe, I believe that Jesus conquered sin, and I believe. And yet there... Well, he started to talk about hell. He said he talked to his daughter, the daughter who was quite young, I think five or six, he said, about hell. Hell. And for some reason I asked him, what's your relationship uh, with your parents? And he said, I haven't spoken to my mom and dad in 15 years. I learned about love, unconditional love, through my parents. There was nothing I could do to make my parents love me anymore. There was nothing I could do to make my parents love me any less. I was bathed in that love. I learned that. And I thought to myself, if God is anything like that, or much more, that's amazing. He said, I haven't spoken to my parents in 15 years. What do you suppose the wound is there? Walking wounded. I suspect all of us have a wound of one kind or another. Something that even for Easter people keeps us from being Easter people. Keeps us from rejoicing in good news. I don't know, maybe it's after three years of COVID, politics, the war, the storms. You just, you haven't felt like yourself. And you can't figure out how to get it back. Friends are no longer friends because of politics. Everywhere you go, you're walking around on eggshells, which is no way to walk. Bless your heart. Now, when Jesus is raised from the dead, there's no way to walk. Walking wounded, bless our hearts. Well, sometimes, sometimes when I don't believe, even though I believe, I don't believe, help my unbelief, I read a word or I say a prayer or I hear a word that works on my soul, that works on my heart, and I see the Lord sometimes.
But most of the time, most of the time when I, when I'm wounded, it comes, salvation comes in the Lord who says through the body of Christ, peace be with you and you show me your wounds and I'll show you mine. This is where I hurt. This is what she said to me. This is the bitterness I carry around in my soul. But I understand. I hear you. I'm with you. Peace. Peace. And it comes to me, bless my heart.